Hello and welcome to Heart of the Faithful Ministries. This is your host, Ron Howard. In today's episode, I am talking with Brandon Western. He is senior pastor over at Lucerne Baptist Church and a good friend of mine. We've known each other for years, and I've been following this young man's ministry and his growth in the Lord as, as we have gone along. And it is a pleasure for me to be able to speak with him and actually talk about his coming to Jesus moment, the moment where he met Jesus Christ. And it's one of, uh, it, it, it's so intriguing and it's just so amazing. And God's love is all over it, but his grace is all over it too. It's absolutely amazing. Here we go with this episode of Heart of the Faithful Ministries. Hi there, Brandon. How's it going, Brother Ron? It's going pretty good, buddy. It's going pretty good. I'll tell you what, it's been a good day. I'll tell you what. Another day alive, another day breathing. It's 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 been a good day. <laughs> Amen to that. It's the day that the Lord's made, we're gonna rejoice and be glad in it. It's it's just one of those things where you know you wake up every morning and you just see it's cold. It might be a little bit dreary some days and Things might be just falling apart around you, but one of the things that stays is that loving grace, that awesomeness that is Jesus Christ. It is the thing that picks me up in the morning. It's the one thing that I know that's constant is his love for me and that no matter what is going on around me, he's still in control. Yeah, amen to that, brother. I can uh, certainly relate to that and testify myself because without the love of Christ, I don't know how people live in this crazy world today. I, I get it, especially... After 2020 and all of the craziness that happened with that, I, I really don't know how people are coping as well as they are. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I've, I've actually had this conversation quite a few times over the past, well, I would say the past few weeks, which is true. But uh, like you say, I mean, this this stuff's been going on for since the beginning of 2020, and uh, which you know definitely threw us for a surprise loop. And a lot of people had some various plans in their mind. And I think the the Lord uh, has a way of uh, disrupting those plans sometimes, and and sometimes He just has to do what He's got to do to get our attention, man. I know that's what He did in my life, that's for sure. Speaking of that, let's go ahead and segue into your story. Now, you've been pastor at Lucerne Baptist Church, and you are a, a young, upcoming pastor. I know you're not that young. I know I'm not. You know, I'm not going to call you out on that, but. But you, you're, but you, you have this eloquent way of speaking the Bible. You, you have a great teaching ability. You have a master skill of, of of rhetoric. It's it's really just it's refreshing to know that you're still in the pulpit. I catch your sermons on 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 Facebook. Uh, it, it's good to know that someone is out there who is still standing for the Word of God and 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 preaching that. But to get to that point, you had to come to know Christ. So, with that, how did you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Um, interestingly enough, I would like to definitely take that concept that you just made about the, you know, the uh, passion, the love for the Word of God, and definitely keep that in the back of our minds as I answer your question, because the Word of God has a very, very important position in my testimony of coming to Christ. Of course, I mean, I know that sounds like kind of, you know, of course, that's the case, but 
and I grew up, I was probably about four years old and my biological father had committed suicide. Um, just a, just kind of a crazy turbulent uh, time in, in my upbringing, you know, my mother, my sister and I, we, uh, moved from Mississippi here to Georgia, where we came and lived uh, with my aunt and her three sons. Um, and it was just a just a wild ride, just from the very beginning. I had a great mother, you know. She loved us unconditionally. She uh, did everything in the world that she could. Uh, eventually, she remarried, and today, my stepfather. I mean, he's my dad. You know, that's that's my best friend. It's my dad. You know, so I don't really you know, uh, get too caught up on, uh, the semantics of that uh, particular thing. But, uh, you know, my mom, she did the best that she could, but my mom was kind of one that never really expressed the way that she felt, you know, she never knew how to deal with her emotions and kind of, uh, that kind of, uh, same pattern was established in my own life. I was very private about who I was and, you know, the things that I thought and, uh, never really understood at how much of an impact that the suicide or the death of my father had really had on my young mind as a child. You know, it was just something that I kind of suppressed and and never really learned how to deal with. And so eventually my life turned to um, finding acceptance and, and love and companionship, friendship and various things like that in the wrong crowd. Uh, I had an older cousin that was heavily involved in using drugs and selling drugs and in fact ended up spending most of his life in prison. He's only maybe five, six years older than I am or that I am now, but he's unfortunately he is actually deceased now, uh, died from a, a drug overdose. And, but, uh, but at a young age, I kind of looked up to him, you know, that was the, the model that kind of intrigued me, if you will. And uh, in order to try and prove my own young self as the man that I so desperately wanted to be, I just got involved in the wrong, the wrong crowd and started using drugs. And next thing you knew, next thing you know, I kind of figured out that uh, you can make money selling drugs. And, you know, we just went headfirst into it, man. And, um, you know, I, over and over again, my life just, just continued to unravel further and further into depression and, uh, you know, what started out to be, you know, the Bible talks about how sin is pleasurable, but only for a season. And after that pleasurable season is up, there's just a, a, a stream of heavy consequences and, um, you know, just heartache that comes along with it, man. And that's exactly what happened in my life. I became extremely addicted to drugs, uh, became heavily depressed and homeless. And uh, I actually had this this friend slash mentor slash pastor that's um, in in my life, and you know, oftentimes him and I will re reminisce about the d early days of when we met and whatnot. And uh, he'll remind me of that time of uh, where I had shared with him a part of my testimony that I actually had woken up frozen to the ground because I was homeless at this point in my addiction, had no money, had no drugs, had no friends, had just burned every bridge, burned. You know, everything that was good in my life was not no longer allowed to stay at my parents' house because of the you know turmoil and havoc that I caused there. And it was middle of winter, Georgia winter, and I woke up just frozen to my sleeping bag and frozen to the ground. And and man, I just kind of look back on those days and it's almost like it's it's kind of surreal. It's it's almost as if it it's just a whole nother life, man, and and just just kind of a wild ride, you know. And uh but the the worse I, I became 
or the, the, the more addicted I became, the different styles of drugs, you know, heroin and meth and various other things. And, and man, I just tell you, my life had just spun completely out of control. Uh, but thankfully, uh, it came to a head at, at one point, and um, I discovered a, a little support group. I started going to AA and, and met some people there and uh, ended up meeting a guy that actually began. I started working for him, doing some home remodeling and renovation, construction type stuff. And um, as we were working, it was just him and I. He was the owner of the company, and I was kind of his helper. But he had a, a, uh, an upbringing in church which I grew up in church as well, but never really had a relationship with God. But uh, this guy just heavily involved in his church and uh, knew the Bible and started reading scriptures to me out of the Bible and uh, you know, telling me about you know, who God was. And, and for the first time in a, a long time in my life, my head was starting to get a little bit clearer. Might have had maybe a month or two of, of clean time, no drugs. And I remember the first time he ever read to me out of the book of Romans, Chapter seven, this was the first time in my life that I ever had any concept that the Bible was relevant to me. You know, I was one of the guys that just always thought that the Bible was just a religious book that preachers read out of and tell people what they're supposed to be doing with their lives. You know, I had <laughs> no understanding of what the scriptures were about at all. But I remember this like like it was yesterday, man. We were riding down the road and went to, to lunch. And he started talking to me about a guy by the name of Apostle Paul. And we, when we got to our destination where we were going to be eating at, uh, he pulled over and he, he got his Bible out of his center console. And he went to Romans chapter 7. And he started reading that infamous passage where Paul begins telling, you know, the people, you know, the, good, the things that I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. He said, uh, he said, the, the, who shall deliver me from the bondage, you know, the body of this death? And he said, uh, I thank God through Jesus Christ, that's who. And as he was reading that, I said, man, I, the things I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. You know, the things I want to do, I want to be a good son. You know, I want to be a good employee. I want to be a good citizen in my community, but I end up doing the exact opposite. You know, I end up destroying the relationship with my parents, destroying the relationship with my sister and, you know, being a terrible employee, calling out at least once or twice a week, you know, and just making up all these different excuses to getting arrested, you know, being a terrible citizen of my community and whatnot. But as he was reading that and he was talking about this guy, the Apostle Paul, you know, I know that in me, in my flesh dwells no good thing for to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. And I don't want to you know, get to preaching or whatever, but man, it was just that came alive, alive to me when he was reading that. And for the first time in my life, I began to understand that God knew exactly who I was and where I was. And, you know, it was only God that was going to be able to get me out of the mess that I'd gotten myself into. And so yeah, I, I stayed with this guy, even lived with him and his wife and uh, worked and, and whatnot. But it, my journey was far from over. Uh, I had a terrible relapse, maybe about two, three months clean time, had a terrible relapse and ended up you know, leaving the job that I had with him. And um end up in a homeless shelter, as a matter of fact, in, in Marietta, Cobb County, Georgia, uh, Must Ministries, ended up there, and they had about a six or seven week program, and 
Uh, you could go and you could stay. They could help you get an apartment if you did the right thing. And so I went there, got clean again, and um, uh, worked, you know, got a job again and, and started working. And they end up literally paying for an apartment, put the deposit down, paid the first month's rent, paid the first month's utility, and was going to pay for three months. And then all of a sudden, man, the craziest thing happens. Like, you're not even going to believe this, but uh, my dad gives me a call and he says, son, I, I need you to come over to the house. I've got something I need to show you. And I don't know how real this thing is, but you got to come see it. And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird, you know, kind of cryptic. And so I said, all right, I'll be, I'll be over there as soon as I can. Well, I get there. And so just keep in mind, I'm maybe just a couple of weeks out of a homeless shelter, plugged into a new apartment, one bedroom, living by myself. I drive back over to Canton to his house and hands me an envelope. I open the envelope and there's a check in there with my name on it for $10,000, right? And I'm just like, man, I couldn't believe it. It had something to, had something to do with like social security and the death of my biological father from like 26 years before, you know, 20 something years before that, you know, and uh, and it was just totally random and out of the blue. And I'm thinking to myself, man, God is really blessing me. You know, I'm clean. I'm doing the best I've ever done. I'm about to go change the whole world. I'm on fire for God. I'm, you know, I'm just, you know, just ready to conquer the whole world. And so I just took that initial thought, uh, you know, this money is a tremendous blessing from God for doing the right thing. Well, I was telling my boss slash a mentor, if you will, uh, about the, the check. And he said, you know, Brandon, you've only got like, you know, a couple of months clean. It might be a good idea. Maybe you let your mom or your dad help you with that, you know, manage that money. And I'm like, man, you don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm, I've never been better, you know? And, it, you know, there it was, man. I cashed that check and just a few short days later, I'm off and running again. And that was kind of the beginning of, uh, the next step, the next journey in, in my testimony, because my life absolutely went down the, the drain, man. Like you wouldn't believe I ended up spending that, that 10 grand. And I had some other money I'd saved up from working. I spent that money in, you know, less than a month and a half. And, um, at this point I'm making some new contacts. I'm selling meth for the Mexican mafia. And man, my life was just crazy. And, I was so strung out, brother, that even my the, the friends that I had that I was selling the, these drugs to, they were coming over to my apartment, cleaning my apartment up because it was such a mess. There were drugs everywhere, paraphernalia everywhere, and, and they're literally like afraid for my life. In fact, one time, uh, one of the one of my friends had, had come over and he said, hey, man, you know, come up. I want you to you know come to the house today. We're going to have a. Uh, you know, some dinner or something. And I, the guy literally kidnapped me and, and he lived way up in LJ in the middle of the woods. And I, he took me up there and, and made me stay for like two weeks, man. And uh, finally I made my way back to my apartment, got, you know, heavily back involved in everything. And um, next thing you know, the Cobb County or Marietta SWAT teams kicking the front door in and taking me to jail on seven felony drug charges. And, um, you know, they came in and, and I just, I was, I was ready, man. My, my heart was crushed. My spirit was destroyed. And when it was almost, I know it's going to sound weird, but it was almost a relief when they came in and I saw who it was and I knew they were coming. I was already being warned they were coming, but man, I made no attempt to run, no attempt to resist because I was just done. 
And so they put me in jail. I spent three days in the infirmary, basically in a medicated coma, trying to get the drugs out of my system. After about three days, they put me in a general population. And the first night that I was in there, scared to death, I'm going to prison, man. You know, I'm just shaking like a leaf and uh, not knowing what was going to happen. And uh, the, the first night, there was a, a, a one of the inmates. He made this announcement off the top tier of the two-story dormitory. And what he said was, it's prayer call. And so I heard that that announcement, and I'm thinking to myself, man, prayer call, that's probably exactly where I need to be. So I made my way over there along with maybe, you know, five or ten other inmates. And uh, we prayed. And, every, you know, everybody said amen. And But I just kind of stood there. And I cornered the guy that seemed like he was in charge of this thing. And I, and I said to him, you know, brother, we just got finished praying. And, you know, you guys are, you know, talking about Jesus and, you know, having freedom and peace and all this kind of stuff. I said, but we're done praying and I don't feel any different. I feel the same depressed, hate-filled person that I was five minutes ago. And he said to me, the, the, the very first thing and best thing that I needed to hear, but it was the last thing that I wanted to hear. And he said, son, if you need, if, if you want peace, you want freedom, you want purpose in your life, then you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I said, well, sir, how can I have a personal relationship with somebody that I can't see when I can't even have a personal relationship, a successful personal relationship with all the people that I can see? But Brother Ron, I tell you, it was in that moment. It seemed like I was getting real with myself, you know, basically for the first time in so many years, you know, for so long. And I, I was getting real and asking these questions. And the Lord met me right there in that particular moment. And it was almost as if he just became, you know, just just showed up right there in the middle of the cell, you know, and uh, and I and I just sensed his presence and I called out to him and I said, Lord, I'm not asking you to get me out of the trouble that I've gotten myself into. I said, if I got to go to prison, I'll go to prison because really I deserve that and much more. I said, so I'm not asking you to get me out of the trouble that I've gotten myself into. But, Lord, I'm asking that you would change my heart. And, and Brother Ron, right then and there, the Lord touched my life, and he delivered me. He, I gave my life to him. He delivered me from the taste of drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, all of that stuff. And I felt, and this is this is real intimate. It's kind of weird and crazy, but I'm just telling you this is part of the story, is that this, this other brother, I call him a brother, never seen him since, but you know, this other inmate in Cobb County Jail, I just kind of fell into this guy's arms. He hugged me. He prayed for me. I'm weeping on the floor of this cell. There's 50 other convicts around probably wondering what in the world is going on in this place. But this brother just prayed for me as I began to weep before the Lord, give my life to him. And, brother, I never looked back since. Wow. That is amazing. So when you were doing that, you, you said that you, you were delivered of the taste of drugs. What is that like? Well, let's just say that, listen, I'm not, there's in, in the, um, which I've been out of this particular scene for a long time, but there's a lot of truth involved in, you know, some of these, you know, ideologies in uh, recovery groups. And one of those ideologies is that uh, an addict has like a, a physical, um, allergy to 
drugs and alcohol. And when that person, when the addict takes a taste of it, then it's no, if, if even if they've abstained for years, man, if they taste it one time, it's like there's an obsession that comes along after that. And that the obsession is what, what I would say is definitely, definitely real in this particular ideology. Because when I say, if you look up the definition of obsessed, you would probably have found my face next to, you know, a pile of drugs, man. I mean, it was all I could think about steal pills from my parents or if i go to somebody's house man i'm looking on the pill bottles i mean it's like it's embarrassing to admit that especially on this public forum here but brother i'm talking about extreme obsession that is all that consumed my mind consumed my every waking moment you know as soon as i woke up there was no hesitation just automatically did the drugs and spent the rest of my day trying to get more and that was the entirety of my life but the lord literally has taken that from me I really consider myself very blessed, man, because I've, I've just, you know, I've been in recovery ministries before. I've been the assistant director of, of these type of ministries and, you know, worked there for six years uh, and have obviously been involved in others as well along the years because of the uh, experience that I have. But I, I consider myself to be very blessed because, you know, not everybody, you know, it's a struggle for a lot of people, man, for the remainder of their life. And, and I could just as easily fall back into it. I, I don't want to get prideful and arrogant at all. And I, you know, something I always, you know, try to caution myself against, but, you know, it's been maybe, it was 2011, so uh, August 1st, 2011 is when I got arrested, so it's going on nine years, man, and, you know, that, that obsession is just, it's gone, but I'm not foolish enough to think that it couldn't come back if I, you know, slip back into those old patterns, you know? Absolutely, that that is so true, and with my years of being involved in, in volunteer ministries for Celebrate Recovery and other recovery ministries. And, and I'm not trying to make this a focal point, but it just, it lends to the power of Jesus Christ. It, it just points to the amazing grace of God and his ability to take away something that is, it's so much of a stronghold in a person's life. It's a, it's such a low number of people who actually get away from meth, who become clean from, from meth, heroin, the same it it is it is a low number of people compared to who are doing it as to have gotten off of it and and it just even today i know people who they still today have the need or the taste just for a cigarette and we think well it's just a cigarette but they were smoking for 10 20 30 years 40 years and and then they quit and then that that need or that desire, it doesn't actually go away. It's still there somewhere. And so for some people, they'll go to a place and um, like a restaurant where you used to be able to smoke back in the old days. But <laughs> you, you'll go to that same restaurant, you'll still get the same feeling. You'll still get that same desire, you know, to, to go to, you know, the, the greasy spoon restaurant down the street and to, to get a cup of Joe and they put it on the table. And as you're sitting there drinking that cup of coffee, it, it almost doesn't taste right. Even though it's the exact same flavor as it was however many years ago, it still doesn't have the same feel or, or, or body to it, if you would, because you don't have a cigarette in your hand and, and it just doesn't taste right. It's just something wrong about it. So it, it just go. I'm just pointing that out because of the awesome power, the incredibly awesome power that it took 
to remove that from your life. And I am I am spellbound at the amazing love of Christ and his ability to just do and be sovereign over whatever to speak to that thing in your life that was holding you back from your relationship, not just from him, but from everyone else. And just to say, you're gone. I've delivered you from this thing. It is gone. And now here you are standing in the power of God, not only as a Christian, but proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ and becoming a preacher and pastoring a church. And now you are shepherding God's people. This is an amazing story. Yeah, to God be the glory, man. Um, it's an absolute, um, definite twist that I never would have expected for my own life. I was just talking about this to my wife the other day because it seems like you can't drive anywhere, at least where I live, without smelling marijuana. I mean, everyone is smoking this stuff out in public. You're driving down the road, even on the interstate. I mean, you can smell this stuff everywhere. And it reminded me, I was telling my wife this a couple of nights ago. I said, you know, there was a time in my life where I never in a million years thought that I would ever give up smoking weed. You know, I mean, it was like, that's who I was. I took an identity in that. And so I tell you, to see what God is capable of doing in a person's life that comes to the end of their rope and comes to the end of themselves and calls out to him. I tell you that that scripture, I, I think it's uh, Romans 10, 13, that whosoever's called in the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I tell you, I guess I'm one of those whosoever's and and there's many, many testimonies out there. But I'm telling you, there is I've tried church. You know, I tried being a member of a church. I tried um, AA. I tried NA. I tried, you know, all the programs i was in the must ministries programs i tried quitting i tried swearing to god you know that i would never touch this stuff again i tried making promises but man i always fell back into it but it was only the love of christ that was able to deliver me from an absolute impossible situation uh, that i never thought that i would be out of in fact when i first when i when i got out of jail instead of sending me to prison they let me go into a, a program called teen challenge and uh, I, I told my counselor when I first got there, I said, sir, it's you just because I was crying every day, man. I just every day I just had these tears in my you know, in my eyes as I was read the word. I was go through, through the classes that we had to take. And and it was just an overwhelming sense that, you know, God has, has saved me because I never thought that I would live to see 30 years old. And so God's faithful, man. I, that's all I can say is he is absolutely faithful. And, and it's kind of weird the things that he does because, you know, for me to be a pastor, especially a senior pastor, man, I was definitely never in the cards for me, at least in my own plans. <laughs> it's amazing what God will do and take you and say, hey, look, I've given you this. Now you're going to do this for me. And, it, and it's not a thing where you, you feel like it's a demand that is something that is crushing, it's, but it's a demand, it's like a desire that you, you know what your calling is and you, you start growing in that calling and, and things just kind of line up because God is in control of all of these things. And, and, and you know, again, just, just feeling that, just feeling that love. Just feeling that 
that grace, that just that, like, let me ask you, when you actually gave your life to Christ, what did it feel like? Do you, can you recall the emotions or the things that, that you were going through as, as you felt, as you said those words, I give you my life? Yeah, absolutely. I, I literally mean, I, I re- literally remember it like it was yesterday because you know, it was in that moment uh, when the guy, you know, he's telling me, you know, you, the only thing that can help you, you know, give you purpose. And, and I hate to use just that word purpose because Christ definitely didn't die on the cross just to give me purpose. You know, he died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, you know, to make me uh, you know, give his righteousness so I could have a relationship with, with, with the father through the blood of Christ. And so I don't want to demean Christ's uh, sacrifice on the cross to a sense of giving a person purpose necessarily. But, you know, the guy is ministering the gospel here to me, telling me about this guy, Jesus, that I need. And I and I said, I don't want to li- if, if I can't be delivered, if I can't be freed from this addiction, I don't even want to live anymore. I mean, I was literally in a suicidal state, ready to give it up, ready to just be out of my misery. And God met me right where I was, man. And I tell you, as I as I laid there on that floor, he was praying with me. And I was, I was calling out to the Lord, just weeping, tears hitting the floor. I mean, it was a weight that lifted off of my shoulders that I can't even explain, man. And, and I, that's why I say it's like the, that taste of the addiction. To, but of course, this is not to say that, man, there was just, it was a long road to, it's still a long road. It's still a difficult path to, to travel. And there were, but man, when I was still a mess, brother, you know, he take he took the addiction and the taste for all that away. But man, I was angry. I had a lot of frustration in my life, and definitely had to learn how to live all over again. That's for sure, or probably li- learn to live for the first time, I guess. But yeah, man, it was an incredible feeling. It was a definite feeling that came with it—the weight of the world, the weight of my sin coming off of my shoulders. Yeah, not to be contrary, but I, I think that there is a lot to be said about once you have Christ. And his, it is it is salvation. You are called to be saved, and it's, it's a gift for everyone. But it, it seems like everyone who is given that salvation is also given that purpose. And, and it may not be to go out and to preach the gospel to a, a congregation of people. It may just be that your purpose is just to show the love of God as, as that living billboard for Jesus Christ. But at the same time, it's... It's a wonderful thing to know that there's a God that's there, and your purpose is pretty much dedicated to having that relationship with God, and and that's I mean it's it's a wonderful thing because if you if you remember and, and back in the garden, what was Adam created to do? He wasn't created to preach to the animals. He wasn't created to to lead people to uh, you know a, a gospel revelation of who Jesus Christ was. He was created to walk daily with God. And so for us, that's our purpose. We're given this new purpose of walking daily with God. And I love that song, you know, just a closer walk with thee, you know, and just, just knowing that we can have that closer walk and to have that purpose to be with God, that he wants to be involved in our lives and for a lot of people that may be listening to this, they don't have that purpose. And that's one of the reasons why we started this is to bring hope and to bring a, a new knowledge and, and an empowerment to our faith of who we are as Jesus Christ 
the just the body. We are the church. And to be his bride and to go out into the world and be that billboard that says, I know the truth. I know the life. I know the way. And then just to express that to other people who may be hurting like you were. I guess the the thing I want to ask you now is, for this generation, this this these young people now, and I've asked this pretty much of, of almost everyone that I've talked to, what would you say to this generation now that is dealing with so much? I mean, the 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 teens now, especially those who who were able to vote, <laughs> the, all of the things that they're being told, all the madness that is going on with what, what is Corona, or you know, or or just twenty twenty altogether. What would you have to say for this generation coming up? So as difficult of a question as that is to answer, I would say the thing that weighs the most heavily on my heart as I see the condition of culture and society right now is it's very evident of what we're seeing right before our very eyes, what the apostle Paul warned about in Ephesians chapter six. And that's where he said that, Uh, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. And so uh, then even later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so my, my whole I guess I don't want to call it necessarily advice, but my my exhortation or my charge to uh, culture today, whether it be teens or uh, adults, it doesn't matter because we're all going through this same spiritual battles that uh, that is, you know, um, that all of us face. And even earlier today, I was reading an article from a pastor out of Nashville who gets up in front of his congregation and sends it out across the, the Internet worldwide saying that the Bible is not the Word of God. It's not the Word of God. It's not inerrant. It's not infallible. It was just the best they could do to answer difficult questions during um, you know, ancient history. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this guy must be reading a different Bible than me because when I read that Bible, man, it's, it's like what Hebrews 4.12 says, the Word of God is quick. It's alive. It's powerful. It's able to accomplish great things in my life. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword, meaning it can cut going in and cut coming back out because there's things in my life that needs to be cut away. And only the Word of God has the ability and the power to cut these things away. And it goes on to say that uh, it pierces through the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, which means that the Word of God penetrates first to the innermost part of my being and changes me from the inside out. And then it goes on to, to finish the, the the scripture there to say that it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And that is so true because when I read the word of God, man, it is alive. It reads, it's like, I heard a pastor say the other day that I don't read the word of God nearly as much as it reads me. And so my charge to the t- culture today is find a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church that is going to help you to have an understanding of who Christ really is and then who you are in Christ because this world has no problems. It will never lose one moment of sleep 
uh, after it chews the person up and spits them out and goes on to the next person. And only, you know, we have victory in Jesus Christ. And, and that, and the Bible, you know, I said this at the beginning of the conversation, let's put uh, the importance of the word of God in my testimony in the back of our minds. And let's hold on to that because the, the word of God, it, it, there was a guy that I met in Teen Challenge and we went to a church way up in North Georgia, a place called Demarest, Georgia. Most of you guys have probably never even heard of that place. I had not until I went there uh, for a church service. But the guy came up and uh, stood in front of the table that I was sitting at in front of a bunch of other guys from, from the program. And he said, uh, brothers, let me, I want to tell you something. I've been in a similar position as you guys are coming out of. He said, I was a, a wild wreck coming up and just strung out on alcohol and drugs and all that. And he said, but let me, let me tell you something that will change your life if, if you let it. He said, what has changed my life and not just changed it for a brief period of time, but has kept my life changed is because I fell in love with the word of God. And I asked this brother a question in Cobb County Jail. How can I have a personal relationship with a guy named Jesus who I can't even see when I can't even have successful personal relationships with the people that I can see? And let me tell you something, Brother Ron, the way that I have the the most intimate times to where I get to hear the voice of my father like he's standing there in the room with me is when I'm opening up his word and, and letting him minister the word of God to me. I'm telling you, brother, that having that relationship with the word of God has not only changed my life, but is what has kept my life changed to this very day. So I would charge the youth and the you know, young people and people of all ages and backgrounds today, find yourself a Bible-believing church and get plugged in. Read that Bible like your life depends on it. Study it, and I tell you, because you, your life truly does depend on it. Absolutely. I concur with that entire sentiment. Absolutely. And with that, we're going to end the podcast. Thank you so much, Brandon, for being with us. It's, this has been amazing. I look forward to uh, ministering with you more. And and if you don't mind, I would like to invite you back sometime. Maybe we can talk about some of the issues today. Maybe get you on a forum uh, just to talk about some things. It has been great to talk with you, buddy. Likewise, brother. Be glad to do it again. Okay, well, thank you for listening so much to Heart of the Faithful Ministries podcast. If you wouldn't mind, make sure you press that subscribe button and uh, look forward to seeing you on the next few episodes. Remember that we are guarding our heart above all else because what we do comes from it. Stay vigilant, my friends. <laughs>